Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. question as we get going this morning. Who do you listen to and why do you listen to them? I don't know if you have those people, those particular authors that when they bring out a new book it's straight on pre-order for you. Maybe someone like John Grisham, you know, as soon as you hear he's got a new book out it's right there on your on your wish list. Or maybe a new series that's on TV from one of your favourite directors or a film with one of your favourite actors in or about a subject that, that you're into. Um, do you spot those kind of things and immediately know that you'll be interested, um, know that you'd love to hear what they have to say or see what they've um, done now. Maybe it's a speaker at a conference. If you hear that such and such is speaking, then you're straight on the website to book your ticket and you'll be there. Well, we listen to a lot of stuff in our lives, but who do you listen to even when you don't understand them? I mean, who are you so committed to that you just love to sit at their feet and listen to what they have to say, even when you don't quite understand it? Sometimes maybe they're a person that you just find really intriguing. My dad is somebody a bit like that. You could ask him a question on pretty much any subject and an hour later um, there you'll be after being informed um, wonderfully, given a a great lecture about pretty much any subject. And I might not even understand all of it, but it's good to know and good to listen to somebody like that. Maybe it runs in the family with long lectures like that. But anyway, on we go. Hold that thought um, about the kinds of people that we listen to, even when we don't quite get what they're saying, about who we're committed to hearing from. Hold that thought, and let's take a look down at Mark's Gospel. And we're going to be in chapter 4 today, looking at a beginning of a, a big section of teaching that Jesus does. But let me set the scene before we get to that. Jesus has been making all things new hasn't we? We've seen that so far in the last couple of weeks. He's been turning the world, not upside down, but he's been turning it the right way up. So the question is, after a few chapters, why won't people listen to him? Why won't people stick to following him? You think about the Pharisees. They're the rulers of Israel. They're the, at least the religious rulers. They should know their Bibles. They should be expecting Jesus to come and, and they should be surely the first ones to come and follow, but they don't. They reject him. And even in the last chapter, we were reading that they're now planning to kill him. Why do they do that? Well, think of even Jesus's family, the people who are closest to him, spent so much time with him as he's grown up. But they're beginning to reject him as well, or thinking that he's mad and trying to take him away. Are they embarrassed of what people think of him and and them? I don't know. Think about the crowds too, huge crowds flocking to Jesus. There doesn't seem to be much real change in them. You see that as we get further in the story as well. The crowd keeps coming and then going and coming and then going. And by the end, we're not left with many people at all. How does Jesus draw such a big crowd? But then why do they not listen to him or stay or change a a whole lot? That's the kind of question that we're coming to today. Why don't people respond more deeply? The kingdom is such good news, isn't it? We've been really paying attention so far. It's wonderful news. It's a picture of another world that's come into our midst. It's a a picture of a world that's for all people, not just the rich and powerful or um, those who are influencers in the world. It's a a picture of a a beautiful world for all people, especially for those who are down and out and 
um, and sad and sick and struggling and oppressed. It's for all people. Good news spread to all. So why don't all people respond with great joy and come and follow Jesus? I wonder if Jesus was maybe puzzling the same way and asking himself, why are people so hard? Why are they so flighty? Why are they so warm one minute and then cold the next? I wonder if you ever asked that same question about yourself. Well, Jesus sits down in a boat. A huge crowd is gathered around, a crowd a little bit like the swaying of crops of wheat in the wind. There's no room for him to stand on the shore, so he gets in a boat and out on the water, carries sound a little bit better, and Jesus sits down for story time with the people. So let me read to you the first of the stories that he tells in this little section. Mark chapter 4, from verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat, out, sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced the crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. And Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus begins by telling a story. But what does it mean? That's the question with Jesus' stories, isn't it? What does it mean? Because it has a meaning, doesn't it? It's not just some farming advice. It's not just a nice little story to pass the time on the, on the, uh, the shores of Lake Galilee. These aren't just stories that Jesus is telling. These are what we call parables. So Jesus explains, look, the message is like a seed. The message I'm speaking to you, this good news about the kingdom, about a king who's come to put the world to rights, that is a message that's a bit like a seed. And our hearts, your hearts, are like soil. You see, these parables, these stories, they aren't just illustrations. They're mirrors for your soul. You can't help seeing yourself in the story. Um, we, we can't help asking, look, where do I stand? What's going on with my life? What am I doing with this seed? We shouldn't be able to help ourselves from asking those kind of questions when Jesus tells stories. But it seems like some people can. Some people can help themselves and they, they don't really listen or hear much. Jesus is beginning to explain why. He doesn't tell us everything we'd like to know about why some people respond like this and others like that. But he does begin to explain how it happens. He says, look, the message is like a seed and our hearts are like soil. And there's really, there's two types of soil. There's receptive soil and there's unreceptive soil. There's fruitful soil and there's unfruitful soil. So look, when you hear good news, news about God's word, news about his king, this message about the son who's come to put the world to right, to forgive your sins, to judge evil. So to sweep the world clean, but to take all that on his own shoulders, to deal with it, to release captives, to give sight to the blind, to free people, to turn the world the right way up again. When you hear a message like that, what kind of effect does it have on you? When you hear that the kingdom is upon us, what kind of effect does it have on you? Are you receptive or unreceptive? Are you going to be fruitful or unfruitful? Does that word lodge like a seed and grow strong and lasting and then bear some fruit? I mean, are you curious? 
to know more, do you come and, and get involved with Jesus and ask him to teach you and explain things to you? Are you drawn in closer to be a part of this kingdom? Or does something else happen to you? We know in our lives there's all sorts of different reactions. From us, sometimes even day to day, we have different reaction, reactions to Jesus. We know in our families that there are some people who have accepted this and some people who haven't. We have loved ones who have walked away from the Lord or who just have no interest at all. And so Jesus is sitting down and asking why. Well, this, as I said, the story doesn't really give us every answer that we might like to the question. But it's important um, that we take Jesus's message really seriously and clearly. It's important as well that we understand what Jesus is doing, that when we're reading a parable, it gives us usually just one big message. We're not supposed to read loads and loads of extra things into this to take every single detail and try and kind of um, explain it out and build up a huge picture of Christianity just from one this one story. Now, Jesus is making one big point, and I mentioned it already, that soil, the quality of your soil, is really important. That's the big driving thing here. The seed is really good, but what's your soil like? Um, well, we've got many keen gardeners in the church. Ted sits down the front of the church um, often, and he's a, a dead keen, an, an expert gardener. If you ever want gardening advice, I recommend chatting to Ted. Now's the time of year, apparently, when, when we're beginning to think about planting out some cuttings. I mean, not planting out, I mean, putting them in greenhouses, you know, putting them in compost. And we know, I was chatting to Ted about this um, a few weeks ago, we know that the compost that you put them in is really, really important, isn't it? Ted was talking to me about some kind of compost he'd bought from Home Bargains or somewhere like that that just didn't do the job last year. He put in his tomatoes in one type of compost and they were great, put them in another and they were a disaster. Nothing happened at all. It was like he planted them in plasticine or Play-Doh or um, something like that. Nothing happened at all. And so we've got to make make sure that the mix is right. The quality of the soil is really, really important. If you get it wrong, it's bad news for your cuttings, for your seeds. But if you get it right, well, it could be great. You could be growing things all the way through spring and summer and into autumn. And I know there's lots of other variables too, isn't there? How hot or cold your greenhouse or your front room is, how how good um, the rains are this, week, <coughs> this year, what summer's going to be like. There's loads of other variables. But remember, Jesus is focusing on one thing, in this parable and that's what your seed so what your soil is like and how it takes the seed so what is it like is your heart warm um, is it a good soil is it receptive curious fertile ground ready for the gospel or is it something else let's look at how jesus explained this parable have a look down with me verse 13 jesus said to them don't you understand this parable <clears throat> when the disciples come and ask him how then will you understand any parable Farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. That's Jesus explaining what this parable means. Maybe you've heard it a long time, uh, a lot of times before, but let's dig in a little bit more and see uh, what we make of the parable. 
Jesus says, like I mentioned, there's unreceptive and receptive soil. So think about that unreceptive ground for a minute. The first are the people, the kind of soil that hears the message, hears the word, but then it's gone immediately, in one ear, out the other. That can be distractions. Um, Here Jesus says it's as if Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. But it can be so many mundane things that we don't ever think of as, and really in themselves, they aren't evil or wrong. But they distract us as, as if the seed, which is so important and so life-giving and, um, and so, so much potential, that it just gets whipped away. And Satan loves that. You know, when you're in church and you're reading the Bible on your phone and then a notification pings, the football scores, the, the cricket scores, uh, an email pops in. Or maybe you're sitting with your children this morning and um, the children are making, making a noise. And there's all these things that kind of distract you and these aren't bad things at all aren't they we love for our kids to be in church it's good to be connected to the outside world and and follow what's going on in our culture to read and and to do all these kind of things but um, all those things can so easily distract us can't they can snatch away that moment when we hear something of Jesus and it begins to catch our attention but then it's gone things that seem so mundane so harmless but really they're stealing away our opportunity to hear and respond to Jesus. Modern life is just uh, a nightmare for this kind of thing. Our notifications pinging all the time, trying our, our best to multitask. We've got Netflix on while we've got our phone in the hand looking at something else. We've got multiple screens all over, multiple things and thoughts and pieces of work and, and responsibilities and worries and all this kind of stuff. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all at the same time. And Jesus becomes just one thing on a long list of things fighting for our attention. It begins to be a bit like throwing tomatoes at a tank. They just can't get in. Um, They've got no chance against something like that. So what is your heart like? What is your mind like? Do you get so distracted? Are you so focused on other things that you can't even hear the word in one ear and out the other? Then there's a second type of soil. This is the kind of soil that is rocky, but it goes like this. This person hears the words and there's joy. I mean, the sun has already warmed this shallow soil. But then as it rises higher and higher in the the sky, that shoot that's that's gone up quickly, because there's a little bit of moisture, there's a little bit of warmth, much warmer than that deeper soil. The the plant sprung up quickly, but now the sun rises, that hot Middle Eastern sun. And very soon that soil is completely parched. No more water, no more moisture. It's completely dry. And the seed, the plant, the little shoot dies away. The moisture dries up quickly, it wilts and dies. And this is a bit like Jesus says, problems coming up. Like you, you've seen how good the gospel is. You've seen how amazing, what, what it can bring to you. But there's still things in your life which perhaps haven't been swept away. When, and so when problems come, when those kind of good and happy parts of being a Christian seem long gone, and all you have are the, the difficulties of life, it can be so easy just to walk away. Somebody else has thought of those rocks as um, as sins or as stuff that we haven't repented of, things that are just under the surface, that our Christianity is kind of skin deep. And unless we shift those, unless we repent of them and turn away from them and ask, ask the Lord to, to rip them out, to dig in compost, to make us deeper, um, unless we do that, then that seed still can't grow. And so when troubles come, when something else catches our eye, well, then we're away because we haven't really repented. We haven't really taken this gospel deep, deep down into our hearts. 
So I don't know, what is that for you? What are the troubles that distract you or that that catch your eye and, uh, and make you long for happier days? Is it getting laughed at in school or in work for being a Christian? People thinking you're a bit strange. Is it that you you can't go out and, and do other things with people because you're here in church on a Sunday morning? Is it because you feel a little bit outside of the group? Because you don't say, make the same jokes as other people or use the same kind of language as other people? Is it maybe even more difficult troubles? That you didn't get that job or that you've been passed over for that promotion? That somebody won't let you play for their team? Or, you know, you have real um, troubles. And some people around the world have a whole lot more don't they? Real, genuine, hard persecution. But it can still be difficult to be a Christian here. So our soil sometimes seems a bit shallow. And the next soil is really similar to this one too. These are the kind of people who hear and they grow, maybe really quickly like the shallow soil, but then worries and cares, similar to the rocky soil. Maybe not necessarily things to be repented of and kind of thrown out of our lives, but just the cares of the world. I mean, what am I going to do about my bills? I've got bills to pay and, and my marriage is being difficult at the moment. My children, I don't know how to handle them and they're growing up and growing so quickly and it seems like I, I don't have any influence in them anymore and my career and where that's going, my reputation and all of these things just begin to crowd out. We may not even be consciously turning away from the Lord Jesus, saying it's not worth it anymore, but just the cares of the world crowd out that seed. We planted some corn really at the wrong time of the year this year. It was my fault. Um, but we planted some corn just before the, the really dry and hot patch hit in um, June and July. And it sprang up quickly. It grew until it was about two feet tall. And then it just stopped. I don't know exactly what happened, whether there was something wrong in the soil or some other variable. I don't know. But it just stopped. And so it's still alive. You can still come and see it in our back garden if you want to. But it's never produced any corn. It's what this is like. You may still be alive as a Christian. You may still be walking with Jesus to a degree, but there's no fruit at all. There's no growth. You've completely stunted because there's so many other distractions taking your eye off the ball. So many other things sapping the goodness away from your root. And so look, here's a, a big lesson for us. You're sitting in church on Sunday morning, you're listening to this on a podcast, and you're hearing the word of God. Is that enough to have the seed kind of thrown towards you and be in your be in your presence. Well, no, it's not. You see, being a Christian, being a child of God, being a citizen, being part of his kingdom, bearing fruit is not just about where you are on a Sunday. It's not just about hearing Jesus's words, singing certain types of songs, believing certain kinds of things in our minds only, you know, mouthing certain prayers. It's not just about, about doing some, some outward stuff. It's not about who your parents are or, you know, where you where you were geographically brought up, or any of these kind of things. You know, real Christians um, do something with the seed. They aren't just around in the presence of it, kind of under the influence of seed-type things. You know, real Christians take that seed deep down. It becomes the defining factor of who they are. It grows, it gets stronger and stronger as they drink more of the Lord Jesus, and it grows and bears fruit. So, are you here just listening? Is it going to be swept away? Is it going to um, be taken away? Are you going to spring up or get choked out? Or will you be the second type of soil? It doesn't just listen, but who acts on what you hear and acts long-term, persevering. You see, there's a second type of soil here, isn't there? The good, rich, deep soil. It has just the right mix of whatever you need to grow in it, of, of 
a bit of sand, a bit of compost, a bit of soil and all of that stuff that goes into it. The pH balance is good. The water levels are good. The warmth is good. It's nice and dark and wet for, for a, a seed to take root and grow and get strong. Jesus puts it like this. Others, like seeds, sown in good soil, hear the word and accept it and produce a crop. 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Now, there's something about that harvest which is kind of interesting, that this harvest is so plentiful, it's really, it's ridiculous. I mean, 30%, 30 times would be, so not 30%, 30 times the crop would be a sensational harvest. I mean, a couple of those, two or three on the trot, and the farmer could hang up his welly boots and go and, and retire, enjoy the rest of his days. If it was 60 times, that is, that's unbelievable. That's on, on the edge of, um, of believability. But a hundred times, we don't know of a, as far as I know anyway, of a crop in the world that bears a hundred times what you plant. That is, that's complete madness. It's complete hyperbole, you might say. Jesus just going way over the top. And that really gives us the big clue that there's a whole lot more going on in this story than farming advice. The people around would be maybe shaking their heads or thinking, oh, that's ridiculous. How on earth do you get a, um, a, a crop like that? We've got strawberries in our garden. They've been a whole lot more successful this year. But three little strawberry strawberry plants, and they've shot off at this time of year, kind of late, late summer, autumn. They, they send out these little shooters and they plant new strawberry plants. So you can pick those up, put them in a pot, Put a stone on the top so the root, you know, kind of takes hold in the compost, and you can get yourself a whole lot more strawberry plants just from from the three. So we have, I counted, about thirty odd new plants that have come from these three. So that's a tenfold harvest, if you like, or a tenfold increase in my strawberry plants for next year. But I mean, that's nowhere near thirty or sixty or a hundred. So what on earth is going on here with this crazy crop that comes from the seed of the gospel? Well. I think Jesus is teaching us that this is something miraculous. This is something that only God can do. That what he does among us in bearing fruit is really something that only he can bring about. That what he does among us is just beyond belief, beyond human strength or comprehension. So what is it that he's doing? What is good fruit? What does it mean to be good soil and, and bear good fruit? Well, it means to be obedient and to persevere, to be somebody who shows real change, who responds to God's word in obedience and perseverance. It doesn't mean that you understand everything. Look at the disciples, they just don't get it yet. But it, it means that the secrets of, um, well, sorry, Jesus says the secrets of the kingdom are being revealed to them. So what's the hallmark of a true disciple? It's thirst, isn't it? It's, okay, I don't understand what you mean about this, Lord Jesus, but I'm interested in you. Like you might be interested in that author or in that artist or uh, film director or actor or whatever, but you're interested in them. And so whatever they bring out, whatever they say or do, you want to go and take a listen to it. And so are you interested in Jesus? Are you thirsty for him? Do you want to know him more deeply? Do you have a deep curiosity? So that when he says something that we don't quite get or understand, when he says something that, that doesn't make sense even, uh, are you so interested in him that you drop whatever you're doing, and you come and listen to him. You come and, and say, I want to know more. You see, the hallmark of a true disciple, the whole hallmark of somebody who's um, good soil, is that they have a hunger for this word. They want it to go deep inside and bear fruit. They have a hunger, a desire to be with Jesus, 
and to stay with Jesus all the way to the end, not just to have a little hobby Christianity on the side, but for this to be everything and everything for the rest of your life and beyond. So do you have that? Are you cultivating that kind of thirst? And are you demonstrating fruit? I don't know, what does Jesus mean by this fruit? Well, just a brief couple of things. It, when we hear fruit in the rest of the New Testament, we think of things like the fruit of the Spirit, don't we? So are you growing as a Christian in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control? Are you growing in love for others and love for God? Are you bearing fruit and looking more and more like Jesus day by day in your own life? Are you bearing fruit in humility as well? That's what Christians become. They become people who see themselves in the light of, of how big God is and how much he's done. And then they say, oh, I'm, I'm really nothing without him. Compared to other people, I'm not better. I don't stand above them. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. But he's the one who's done all the work. He's the one who's brought the fruit, this miraculous work. It's not my own doing. It's not my own goodness. He's the one who's done it. And so it grows humility. It grows things like the fruit of the Spirit in us, in maturity. But it also grows in seed that we can send out and give out to other people. And that's what you do with part of your seed, at least, isn't it? When you have a new crop, when you have a big plant, you take some cuttings and you plant them for next year. Or you take the seeds and do whatever you need to do to seeds to preserve them and keep them, and then you plant them for next year. So that's part of our fruit as well. Like Jesus told the disciples that he would make them fishers of men. So when they bear fruit, it's not just to make themselves look good or um, for their own benefit, but it's to be taken out and given out. It's, it produces new seed. The word bubbles up and bubbles over and pours out to other people too. So are you bearing fruit like that? Are you witnessing and sharing the gospel? People seeing you grow, but then are you helping them grow by giving them the seed and planting it deep in their soil? There's a couple of tricky things when it comes to doing that, aren't there, with evangelism like this. And, and there's some stories later on in this chapter that really help us out. One of the problems that we have is that the seed in our hand, when we take it into the world, when we take it to our workplace, to our family, who just don't seem interested at all, one of the problem is the seed seems so tiny and so pathetic and so, I don't know, so small and so lacking in potential when we take it out into the world. Surely nobody's going to be interested in this. But go have a read of the parable of the mustard seed, where Jesus takes this smallest seed, this tiny, tiny little thing, and Jesus says, well, look at that. It looks small and, and insignificant, but you plant that in the ground and it'll grow to a huge bush, a big tree, where the birds of the air can come and, and perch in its branches. So it might not look like much to begin with, but it's going to grow, this seed in you, this seed of, of the kingdom. And the evidence for that, by the way, is sitting around you in church, is you here 2,000 years later from those 12 disciples, from Jesus pretty much by himself on the cross making this seed, doing the good news for, for us to enjoy, for us to be given. Um, Jesus there by himself. And that seed has grown and grown to those disciples, to the early church, who are a few thousand, to now us, Christians, who are millions and millions and millions all around in pretty much every corner of the globe by now. 2,000 years later, that's a tiny mustard seed, unimpressive, a dying man to a huge living church. It's amazing, isn't it? Mustard seed to a huge um, tree that gives peace, that gives joy, that gives sanctuary, that is a home, that gives rest to the world. So if you feel when you walk into the office, when you walk into your family, you think, oh, nobody's going to be interested in this. It feels so tiny. This Bible in my hand, this message seems so 
out of date, so insignificant. Well, remember, it's a mustard seed that has huge potential to grow into something that will give peace and rest to that person's life. And we pray to many beyond that they bear a harvest as well. But there's another problem as well, isn't there? That sometimes it seems that this is just too hard. Not just hard to give the message out to others, but hard to grow like this. I mean, how am I going to make myself good soil? How am I going to grow this word, this seed of the kingdom? Seems like it's all on me. And Jesus has another parable. This is in verse 26 to 29 of chapter 4. The parable of the growing seed. So this is what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus says. A man scatters seed on the ground day and night. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. And so this man, he doesn't need a PhD in soil science. He doesn't need to be a particularly skilled farmer at all. In fact, all he does is just throw some seed on the ground. But what happens to it? That seed contains everything it needs within itself to grow. And God is the one who makes it grow. He's the one who, who made the seed in the first place. He's the one who, um, who sets the, the soil and finds its place, uh, helps the seed to find, it place, find its place. Think of 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says this later on in the scripture. 1 Corinthians 3. I planted the seed, says Paul. Apollos, another teacher, watered it. But God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God is the one who makes things grow. So you should be encouraged. When you're planting that seed, um, you're going to see a harvest. God will make it grow. His word won't return to him empty. So let's go and bear fruit. Let's be good soil. But how can we be good soil? How on earth do we do that? Well, we've got to come to the gardener and ask him to help us out. There's a Christian teacher in Scotland years and years and years ago, Robert Murray McShane, who said, we should take looks within ourselves. We should test and work out, see if we're good soil or not. But for every look we take within, says Robert McShane, you should take 10 looks to Christ. For each look you take within, take 10 looks to Christ. So don't spend too much time trying to root out weeds and soil from your own heart. Look to the gardener and ask him to come and do that more skillfully for you. You could think about it as driving. You know, when you're driving along to keep safe, you take a brief glance in the rearview mirror, don't you, in your mirrors, to make sure you're at the right place on the road. And you've got to do that to be safe. But you spend 100 times more time looking at the road ahead than you do looking in the mirror behind you. So we've got to check where we are on the road. We need to ask the Lord, am I good soil? Am I bearing fruit? Ask, ask a friend. Am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I looking more like Jesus week by week, month by month, year by year? Am I bearing fruit and sharing this seed with other people? And if not, well, then we've got to repent. We've got to hear this as a, a warning. We've got to come and be more interested in what Jesus says. We've got to come and be more interested in bearing fruit. We've got to come to the gardener. But look, if you have a flicker of a desire to be good soil, then let me encourage you, I think you are good soil. If you have just a flicker of a desire to get close to Jesus, to bear fruit for him, well, I think you are at least the beginnings of good soil. So like I said, let's ask the gardener to come, dig in compost, pour on water, to prune and do all he can to our, um, our plant, that the seed of the kingdom would grow and bear a lot of fruit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for... Um, how honest your word is. Thank you that Jesus used parables like this to challenge and to 
uh, help people come and understand, but also to challenge them that they might come close to you and not just be spoon fed, but might come close and ask you to explain things, might come close and be closer to you. Help us to do that, we pray, Father. Help us to be good soil that takes the seed. And even though it might not understand it, even though it might not know what to do with it to begin with, you're the one who gives growth. You're the one who helps us to grow and, and be better and better soil. You're the one who takes what looks so insignificant at first and, and grows it into a huge tree. So would you do that in our lives, we pray. Father, we thank you for the fruit that you've brought already, but ask that you would give more, 30, 60, 100 times, miraculous uh, crop of fruit. And we ask that you'd give us great boldness as well, Father, as we go out to the world to share this seed with everyone, with anyone, um, knowing that you're the one who gives the growth, knowing that even though it feels um, pretty exposed at times, even though it feels sometimes pointless, and Father, we pray that you would encourage us with these stories, encourage us with your word, that it's such good news that all should hear and that you will bring growth for your name's sake and for our joy. Amen. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.